This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Hey, folks. Welcome to the program. A little slow on the draw here today. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan. We are the hosts of the show, and I am uh, at the home studio, London, Ontario, right behind me. I've got the skyline of Toronto sitting there, a little hazy, and CN Tower off to my left shoulder, uh, wearing a blue shirt today. Of course, a trademark fedora and a sport coat. Ramya Amuthan, it's Friday. We're swinging open the gateway to the weekend. Happy Friday. I know. I love Fridays in general, and I love Friday shows as well. Um, I'm in Toronto, as you mentioned. I'm sitting behind this white oblong table. Behind me is the CN Tower and the Toronto skyline in general, along with the lit up white and purple pillars, white and purple for Kelly and Ramya. I'm wearing a uh, black top with a... Scarf. And now, this is a scarf that has been only described to me and not, this is not first-hand account, okay? So these are a mesh-up of describers who've said that it's a green scarf with a bit of gray, a bit of, um, you know, floral design on it. I think there's some red in here as well, some white, maybe some other strokes aside from the flowers. But it's very nice and comfortable and soft. That's what I can tell you firsthand. <laughs> I'm scared of scarves. Are you? <laughs> I was like, I'm what scared is the reaction them. to follow this? Uh-huh. Because I leave them. I mean, as a kid, I remember bringing them. You know, mom would, all right, put a scarf on you, you got your gloves, your hat. And I would take them to kindergarten. I remember this particularly. I would stuff them in my sleeves, hang the coat up, and I always wanted the first hook because I was scared I'd get mixed up and try putting some other kid's coat on and leaving with it, Um, just feeling them and saying, "Hmm, I think this is mine. Oh, dear. So I really made sure that I knew what I was doing that way. Then once in a while, you throw a scarf in. Oh, no. Mm. Because then what would happen is... Where do I put that? Do I put that in a sleeve? Of course you do, Kelly. You've got the gloves in there. You've got the hat inside the sleeve. It's safe. It's not going. Shove the scarf in there. No. Kelly no. folds it around my neck up at the and around the hook, grabs the coat later, leaves the scarf sitting there. So I became scared of scarves. Anytime my mother say, oh, it's windy out there. I'm going to get you a scarf. Oh, I'll be fine. Yeah, I know. Oh, Yeah. I've always had the fear of, what do you fear losing? And sometimes it's jewelry for people. Like they don't oh, want to. I love so much jewelry, Kels. Yeah. So much jewelry. Yeah. I I've never give kids real jewelry because I've lost so many. I've always had my ears pierced. Um, so when I was a kid, I'd wear, you know, just studs, but they'd be most likely gold, right? Gold or sterling right. silver. And I've lost a ton. Like my mom could probably actually list how much money I've lost over the years because of what the jewelry was worth but anyways oops. my brother gave me a silver bracelet i was a teenager i remember going back to the ws mcdonald school where i was attending at the time out there in branford and i went out to the mall it was a wintry no but january night like the like like now it was around this time of year for sure and i went out walked through the parking lot to get to where the bus is picked up got back to the school and my bracelet was gone 
Uh-oh. And I had to tell my brother this later on. Yeah, I lost the bread. My parents, well, you have to explain it to your brother. Yep. And I felt horrible. Never wanted to wear stuff. I mean, it's just uh, extra things like that. Just no, mm-hmm. no, no. Too, too scary to me. Wow. So I'm borrowing. I have some friends who are very comfortable, you know, borrowing my stuff. And I say, go ahead, but don't let me borrow your stuff because it's going to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, what's not going to get lost is all of our content today on the program. Let's take a look. Let's see what we have coming up here on Kelly and Ramya. Well, Samsung TVs can now automatically detect text on screen and move those captions for you. John Beeler will explain this and a lot more in a little while. Susan Kearney, our gardener, is here for her Friday segment, and we're highlighting, finally, hopefully, the lovely cranberry. Wow, that's going to be fun. Good discussions always with Suze as we have her on here. Now every Friday on the show, we revisit and weigh in on conversations from the past week on Cut for Time, ladies and gentlemen. That'll happen in hour four of the program when Grant Hardy will join us for that as well. Okay, folks, Buffalo Bills safety, Damar Hamlin, has a long road to recovery after... uh, collapsing on the field and going into uh, cardiac arrest on the field, as I mentioned, on January the 2nd. Hamlin's marketing representative, Jordan Rooney, tells the Associated Press that Hamlin still requires oxygen and that his heart is monitored regularly. Rooney says Hamlin is able to visit the team's facility, but, quote, is not in position to travel often and requires additional rest to help his body heal, end quote. Bills coach Sean McDermott said earlier this week that Hamlin is taking a baby step at a time. I'm Donna Warder. This story, Ramya, as we've talked about on the show, has just grabbed everyone, whether you're a sports fan or not. The recovery that has been remarkable from the people who were right on the field, who jumped right in, as they were to do, doing all their jobs, gave him that chance to have what is expected to be a a pretty well a full recovery. That doesn't mean, you know, football's back in his future. Who knows at this early point? And as mentioned, some of those issues he obviously would still have. But still a real lucky, lucky man. And as the doctor, once, one of the doctors said, he won the biggest game of all, the one of life. From, from the get-go, right, from the original reaction and response of the people, like the audience, the replays and all of that stuff, till now, you're right, people have been definitely following the story and uh, I guess uh, keeping their fingers crossed for him. Congratulations to his charity. Of course, the massive amount of money that has amassed going from something that he started, he only was looking forward to making $2,500 on that charity years back. Well, lots of money now, $2,500. That goal, blown away. We'll step aside for two minutes. And when we return, reporter Grant Hardy will join us and he's going to bring us the latest lifestyle headlines when Kelly and Rumya return. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you returning to Kelly and Ramya. And we've got to tell you about this contest, ladies and gentlemen. Enter now for a chance to win a Tempra Pro Adapt mattress. This is tremendous. We launched this when we opened the show last week for on our first uh, first day. Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material to precisely adapt to your weight, your shape, and temperature. 
offering unmatched comfort and support for complete rules to enter this contest. Would you please visit ami.ca slash KR contest and the, the Dream Big Contest, that's the name of it here, folks. Uh, this, uh, this contest uh, runs till February 8th. That's your last chance to get in on it. And Ramya Muthan, what an opportunity and love that so many people are participating so far in this. It's so perfect, right? Our show talking oh. about sleep all the the time loving <laughs> sleep it honestly took me longer to find my mattress like when i was going mattress shopping than to find any other piece of furniture because i That's just because you kept falling asleep on them yes, in the, in the partly, showroom partly partly <laughs> and because a good mattress makes that much of a difference so you know go check well, out can you tell when you're actually shopping like do you know yes. what you're looking for and i love talking to oh. people who are mattress nerds you know like uh, there are people who just know exactly what to tell you to make you love mattresses because they know everything about it. Oh my gosh. A mattress nerd. I love that name. I gotta I'm sure that's that not the official title. <laughs> Aficionado, maybe? maybe. Anyway, nice, let's talk lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen, as we welcome in reporter Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Are you a mattress nerd, Grant? Do you, are you able to tell, like, hey, this is the perfect one for me if you were going through the showroom? Uh, I kind of have, like, a barometer of, like, this is comfortable or this is not comfortable. Mm. Those are my sort of my binary of how I can tell if I like a mattress. So I don't know that that's really the official criteria. I kind of feel like it is not, uh, but uh, that's basically the extent of my mattress knowledge. Okay, so hmm. and it's nothing about like actually... the cooling, the warming, the uh, memory firmness. foam, the firmness, the coils and you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've got a mattress right now where the coil is actually like poking out of the, oh, no. the mattress. So it's probably about time I get a new mattress. I'm just going to, what was that address again? I'm just going to make sure I note that down. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, under an, an alias, right? Under you have to remember name, to use yes. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Grant, you've got a couple items to talk about today for Lifestyle. Where are we beginning? Okay, well, we are beginning with some uh, kind, of, kind of another sober headline here sorry to do this to you guys this week uh from best health i believe this is and it's talking about the gender of your physician and how that actually matters and it turns Ooh. out that female patients i bet you can kind of guess the the answer here uh but female patients treated by male surgeons may be more likely to have adverse outcomes and more likely to even have severe adverse outcomes, shall we say. Uh, wow. Early this year, a Canadian st study uh, confirmed what many patients, especially female patients, have long suspected. The sex of your surgeon absolutely matters when it comes to your outcome in the operating room. Female physicians got better results, but it turns out that the sex of the patient matters in the OR as well and can even mean the difference between life and death Angela Giraffe, an associate professor of anesthesiology at the University of Toronto, and her colleague Christopher Wallace, an assistant professor of surgery in the Department of Urology, canvassed the records of more than 1.3 million men and women operated on by 
nearly 3,000 surgeons in Ontario over 12 years. They controlled mm. for as many factors as possible, like age, income, health status of the patients, uh, the age and experience level of the surgeon, and whether the surgery was performed in a small community hospital or a major medical center. And they basically discovered... Uh, so more than 17% of patients suffered adverse effects within 30 days of the procedure. 8.7% of them had complications. 6.7% were readmitted to hospital. 1.7% died. Not great. But when you break mm -hmm. it down, uh, the results by sex, something more troubling emerged. They found that female patients treated by male surgeons had 15% greater odds of adverse outcomes than female patients treated by female surgeons. Worse still, women operated on by a male surgeon were 32% more likely to die. Now, that, me, that means uh, if your risk for death coming into surgery is, let's say, 1%, then it's 32% greater than that I 1%. See. So that com combined right. outcome is 1.3%. And uh, what was I going to say here? There may be differences around communication. This could be a factor, understanding what a patient wants. Perhaps there's a difference in decision-making uh, because very few people die in the operating room and most things happen after surgery. So it could be a key of just picking up on those complications, like taking patients' pain seriously when patients complain to you about stuff. Uh, and also one thing that was really interesting is it suggests that, you know, because unfortunately the patriarchy can kind of treat men a little bit more seriously just as they're climbing up the career ladder and because women may have to, I guess, fight a little bit harder to get where they deserve to be, you may develop an increased ability just to communicate and empathize along the way. Uh, so I'm curious about your thoughts on uh, what I consider to be a very troubling but interesting study. Mm -hmm. Well, it is troubling. Um, I wonder, you know, you pointed out reasons as to why this might be an issue and this is being uh, tracked. And I wonder how much of it is just internalized bi uh, bias, right? Like just knowing or feeling like things are going to go wrong because of dot, dot, dot. You know, the medical gaslighting we've been learning a lot about too, and actually mm. with you on the show last year. Right. Uh, talking a bit about that. And that's one part of it. But a lot of other things is, and I will expand this to more than just, you know, surgeons and surgery and post-surgery, uh, but finding family doctors who you feel like you can connect with, finding physicians in general where you can have open, honest conversations about your your situation, your body, your thoughts, um, your stages mm -hmm. in life, right, is so important. And that all leads up. Like, oh, those are background and initial conversations that lead up to your date of surgery, for example. So I wonder how much of it is a trickle effect. I wonder yeah. also, Grant, is there a study out there or being done or was part of this um, language? 
because I think that's where I would first, I wouldn't even think of this kind of study, think of this as a, as a problem, not obviously being a, a medical practitioner or anything in the, any worker in the medical field. Um, mm. And, and you know, I wouldn't have thought of this kind of thing. What I would have jumped to the conclusion is, oh, I wonder if language barriers happen and uh, may rise the number or the chances of problems as well. And as you mentioned, after surgery, but this is just a shocker. Yeah, and I think language and also not directly language, but probably like, you know, communication Communications. Yeah. So like yeah. s somebody like me, I mean, interestingly, I, like I was born blind. I know a lot of people would consider that serious, but in terms of actual procedures that have been done to me, like I've never had anything other than cavities and, you know, my wisdom teeth out. So like if I was going for a minor day surgery, surgery i would be just right. going yep. i would be super you know concerned i'd be you know panicky and you know this and that so i'd probably just be verbalizing but would you that, have thought you know, grant to be concerned about the communication i well i mean see, i it, understand i may not understand and long as i speak up and yeah. ask my question and say i'd like an answer but i don't how do you think know what i you're would have getting... had to worry no yeah, you I don't guess... I guess what I'm saying, though, is for me, I almost would be less concerned because I would be communicating so clearly that I'm in yeah. discomfort, whereas someone who has, you know, chronic pain all their, their life, right. they're maybe in a little more pain than usual, they yeah. might sort of like, yeah, you know, this is okay. I'm just in a lot of pain. Because it, it depends know, on I, what they're coming from. Right. Yeah. Like, I would almost be concerned that about that communication i mean that's kind of victim blaming though i'm not trying to put that back on them but just maybe concerned that the doctor wouldn't pick up on their sort of quieter communication mm -hmm. style if that well, makes sense yeah and that communication we understand would be potentially with persons with disabilities some disabilities it would be obviously a communication problem or could be a nightmare as well if a person is nonverbal or if the explanation given to a person, if you ask a question, is so visual, hand movement or whatever. Well, yeah, we do this, this, point. this, and this. I don't really understand what you're doing <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah. or what you're saying. Th th those things, okay, I can I can grasp that, obviously. Um, I can grasp language, but to, by sex? Well, no, that's the thing, I, I, though, I like, wow. because and I can um, relate to this, empathize with this in a way, not specifically with the surgery stuff, but I find that, you know, I'm in my late 20s now and I want to be able to communicate um, about like gender specific or sex specific things mm -hmm. with someone who can understand on that level. Now, Obviously, we know, you know, doctors go to medical school, they learn, they have a myriad of things that they have to know before they start practicing. But there's sometimes just a um, a better understanding, if you will, or, or more empathy towards. And sometimes that conversation isn't necessarily like black or white, you know, prescription-based, or you need to have this procedure done. But it's just the... Do you get where I'm coming from? Can we connect on that level? And this comes back to disability also, because I've had, and I'm sure others have as well, conversations with doctors who you can tell there's that pity or that misunderstanding right. or the, I'm not sure how to communicate yeah. this with yeah. you. And that's happened to me yes. even at the ophthalmologist. So like ridiculous, right? But it's, or, um, yeah. there are many levels of this kind of, do we feel anxious going into something simply because we're not connecting with the person doing the procedure on us yeah or or just those those 
communicating to someone with a disability that whatever you're talking about is really not serious. Like, right. is it is it really important that you get this done? It's not like you're going to have to drive anyway. You know, how much do you really sort of get out and about anyway? Is it is it you know really this important? Or of course, anything like you were you were saying, gender, sexuality. You know, that tends to be kind of shut down when it comes to to disability. So yeah, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if if other minority groups uh, would have a lot of empathy for this type of situation. Uh, I, I was going to say the same thing. Marginalized a lot, people. And a, lot, a lot get lost also in post-surgery, what you're supposed to do in your room, but even when they send you home and if you have medication or, or exercises you're supposed to do, that communication for somebody like, you know, one of us, maybe we think we're supposed to do an arm lift, we've had surgery on a shoulder a certain way, and if we haven't been taught the right way, you could reverse what work that's been done and, and cause damage. So there's so many things like that all on this communication piece that are a real challenge, Grant, and and phenomenal, really interesting piece uh, to, to really make you think. Yeah, it's super off topic. I can't I can't believe I'm uh, you. You guys all, all, always make me mention crazy stuff. But I was on a, a prescription medication at, at one point, and I remembered hearing about a blind uh, advocate that was advocating for accessible prescription labels. Mm-hmm. And I yes. remember thinking, like, this isn't really neat. you know. I'll just note down what. I'm taking. Yeah. Anyway, it was years later. Someone was looking at it and they're like, don't you know you're supposed to eat with that? Oh. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't years know. Years later. Wow. Yep. Yeah. yeah, years <laughs> later. And when you get multiple, real tough. Grant, we'll talk to you next hour. All right, guys. Thanks. Grant Hardy joins us on Friday to discuss lifestyle. On Wednesday, he's back in to talk health headlines. We will take a couple of minutes, think about a lot of this, and then we're going to get into a lot of technology coming our way. Samsung TVs now can automatically detect text on screen and move the captions. John Beeler, he explains in his app update in a moment. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Wherever you're listening in, watching us, thanks, guys. We appreciate your time. Some of you may even be over at AMI.ca streaming the program or on TuneIn Radio. Wonderful to have you on board for the program. Remember, we're live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, first repeat of the program uh, is 10 p.m. Eastern time. So Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. We are the hosts of the program. Again, she's at the studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. And it's time for us to talk app updates and a lot of tech. Let's bring on John Beeler of Get Connected. All right, John, we're bringing you in without our intro ID, but you are here from Vancouver uh, joining us and talking a lot of different tech today. Let's talk about the monitor from LG to begin with. So this can transform from flat to curve at the touch of a button. So my first initial question is people still want curve or are we talking about like curve so it looks like this? Yeah, how do you, how do we explain this? Well, it's meant for <laughs> gamers, I think, and uh, the okay. primary purpose is to give you that fully immersive feeling. Yes, and you know you don't always want to be gaming with this particular device, so they have a little button you press on it, and it actually will then contract its curvature and go completely flat, and you can actually adjust 
pretty much anywhere in between what you want to see as far as how much of a curve you're going to get, how immersive it is. Um, but it's it's a pretty big monitor because there's a lot of, let's call it infrastructure behind it to do this magic. Right. And, yeah. Um, big, heavy? Well, no, it's, it's there's just no, quite a lot of thin, stuff it, behind the monitor because it's actually right. got all this rigging to uh, to pull it around and bend oh. essentially the screen. Yeah. So I when that's done, like it's, it's all automatic, right? It does it like you hit a button and it makes its adjustments or how does that's that right. work? Yeah, yeah. But we don't so snap, like a, oh. like a Flat or curved. I wonder and about it, this it takes, kind of stuff it though. It takes seconds to do. Right, no, I, I bet it does it quickly because you know, who's gonna wait an hour or a commercial break to, to take that much time. <laughs> but I wonder about it because, you know, at the end of the day, how much do we have to put into make this work for us like do people care that much well i guess that's the question yeah uh, the other question i don't have an answer for is how much is this going to cost mm -hmm. because they weren't quite ready to release the pricing uh, at ces yeah it mm. seems a little well, gadgety to me to me though sure and i think it, it does but i'm not a gamer uh, so I can totally understand when yeah, people true. want to be immersed and it's, it's like, you know, if you don't have glasses or playing a game using, you know, virtual glasses or something and you will have a big enough screen, it, it, depending how big, what the biggest screen you can make of this, boy, you could, I guess in theory, really lose yourself with your sound and visual. Uh, can we move over to the Samsung? Uh, this is a, a smart things hub that combines a wireless charger with a smart home controller, John, and hub using matter. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So what Samsung has done is they've taken uh, a very simple little device that looks just like a wireless charger that you would put your smartphone on, and it actually does behave as a wireless charger. It has one button on it, and you can use that to then program your smart home situation depending on what devices you have in your house. Wow. And you can basically have like a, a physical switch to activate those things. And the really nice thing about this is they've also integrated their hub for the smart home. And the thing that's really interesting about this is they have actually... Um, they, Samsung, along with a lot of other companies doing smart home stuff, have agreed on a, a standard platform protocol called Matter. So that means that just about anything that you could buy, you can mix and match now. And for the most part, as long as it supports Matter, and most things will or will be updated to support it, you'll be able to mix and match your smart home with products from all kinds of different companies. And these smart home hubs will be able to work with them. Um, they actually showed a really interesting demonstration where the, you can actually map out your house where all your smart devices are, and then you can basically have different zones and you can turn on different zones and then map it all back to this little box that can sit on your kitchen counter or your bedside table, and you have a little button you can press to turn it all on or turn it all off. So this is That's exactly amazing. what we've been waiting for, right? Because once you start hearing, like remember the first phase of smart home stuff when, oh, Google came out with this, then Apple came out with that, and then Samsung and everybody else and uh, Amazon. So we all have a little bit, well, at least those of us who are fanatics about it, have a little bit of everything. And it's there's no real seamless way to poke around with everything at the same time. But I'm curious about... Does this do anything for the voice-activated stuff, or is this just a toggle-on, toggle-off? Uh, I think it's meant to complement that, and it can also be the bridge for the voice stuff that does require a hub. 
because um, there is still some uh, devices that do require a hub to work because they're not yeah. just Wi-Fi or just Bluetooth. Right. So this becomes that central hub that can then integrate with your smart home voice assistants. Because there's so many zones you're dealing with, too, and you want to be able to control and have things work the way you want them to work, and, and nobody can guess every home or guess what you, you particularly need. This is really amazing, and I'm sure quite fast to program it compared to. Hopefully. I haven't tried it yet. I myself. hope. Yeah, yeah. Right. It'll be interesting. <laughs> it does sound uh, very workable, though, and kind of not necessary, but a good to have for, for people who have a little bit of everything. Um, so much more to do with Samsung. Samsung TVs can now automatically detect text on screen and move your captions over for you. So this sounds like something that people have been wanting for a while. Yeah, this was just a very simple little demo that they had on one of their TV corners in their booth at CES. And they were just showing how, you know, typically when you have, you know, um, what we call a lower thirds, whether it's, you know, uh, CNN showing, you know, the the news of the day or a stock ticker showing that kind of stuff. But then you also want to have closed captioning on top of that. Quite often, mm. it's all stacked on top of each yep. other. With this particular uh, technology, this, the TV will actually detect where the captions are going and make sure that there's not actually any text there and move it up above it. Yeah, and wow. we've genuinely heard, especially people from the hard of hearing or deaf community, um, talk about this being like an absolute pet peeve because the, the choice is not in your hands, you know, where the captions mm -hmm. go. And sometimes it's all mandatory. So then you get uh, stuck not even being able to read legible text. That's right. I and it's just I a feature like that's built into the TVs. Yeah. Yeah, I would enliken it to us feeling, man, what poor judgment with the audio description and levels. And us saying, I can't hear what they're saying oh, because yeah. you know there's too much noise or so, and somebody's just mixed poorly. So I can totally understand that this would really be something. So really nice. Anything else, John, on this that, that's going to be done? Uh, I think that's that's it for the Samsung. Um, okay. But All right. Um, let's talk about uh, vitamins. 3D printed vitamins from Neutrogena. I like Neutrogena. the name of this. This is cool. Neutrogena, is that how you say it? Yes. You know the screen yeah, reader, so John. <laughs> I might have sold spelled me out on that too. one. <laughs> um, so essentially what Neutrogena has done, they've got something called Skin Stacks, and they have an app. Right. You use it, and you take a picture of your face in a well-lit uh, space, and it can actually help determine, based on your the, your skin, your skin tones and you know coloring and stuff like that, uh, what nutrients, nutrients you might benefit from getting and they can actually create a customized and 3d printed gummy that is the vitamins that your skin needs oh to get that healthy glow wow. get out wow. gummies well, too uh, like they went all the way up to gummies oh they did yeah it, it actually looks like a little gummy that you would buy in the store um and it's multicolored. that's how you can kind of tell the different um vitamins that are used in it and they'll give you like a, a you know like a little inventory of what's in that particular uh gummy that's going to help gummy. you know from a vitamin standpoint um this isn't meant to be like a home 3d printer thing okay basically you you request it they 3d print it in the uk and then they mail it to you oh so wait what now then now we need to backtrack so if you're if the UK is doing the printing for us, then does that mean we have to check our skin out and then uh -huh. send them things and then they send back things? 
well, over and over? With the app. You take a picture of your face and then oh, they see. will they will analyze it from yeah. the photo. I'm not believing in this at all. Very, very <laughs> skeptical about this. I know 3D... All the way down to the fact that it's a gummy. It takes away some of the credibility, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-uh. Everyone's eating gummies. <laughs> and it's a lose-lose situation because I also have pet peeves about printers at home. You know, you have to replace the cartilage and you have to find out what's going on and it never works when you need it to. So, got a hard pass on this one. <laughs> I, and, the, and the mail doesn't exactly help either, right? We'll just send this <laughs> right. to you. Oh, you, you know? missed your delivery. Okay, well... Just going to go to the shoppers next gummies. week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but good idea. But they'll keep tweaking, I'm sure. Uh, can we talk about this next one? It's a U-scan system for analyzing body fluids to see what you're missing. So similar concept, but what is this one called? This one is from Withings. They're a healthcare uh, smart, smart uh, app and hardware device company. Uh, they've been around for a while. Um, they've created basically the first home your analysis kit and it's essentially a little puck that you put in your toilet and you're meant to pee on it and then with the app essentially this little puck is a lab in your house and it can analyze the nutrients that are coming out of your urine and determine what you're missing or what you are having too much of uh in your urine stream and it can also be used for uh, menstrual cycles. And uh, there's also a professional model of it that's meant for doctor's offices. So you can actually get uh, in the doctor's office right away uh, an immediate result without having to go into a lab. Sign me up. Never have to pee in a cup again. So do you, uh, Ramya, do you that's buy right. into this one a little yes. more than the other? Yes, this seems, you know, medically useful, helpful for, as you said, menstrual cycles, cycles and other things just at home. And then, you know, how many times do you have to go do urine tests just to find out the most simple information anyways? Done. Yep, those... That's right. Uh, yeah, now, I how far along are they with this one? Oh, well, it's, it's a, I think it's available now. And the, the little puck has, I think, about a six-month shelf life. So you can use it for up to six months. And uh, there's like batteries in the little device, so you do have to clean it and replace the batteries. Okay, no, 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 no. Uh, but... but then you just use an app <laughs> to see your results. You have to pick um, the puck up out of the toilet and clean it. Well, it's got to get out of it. You don't just flush after Is six it? months. And... Uh, well, I mean, you... terrible image. <laughs> I That's a terrible be... image too. I don't mean it that way. But so, John, in its in its process, in its lifetime, it's it's doing all these different. Um, tests, it went required to using the apps, you know, if you want to know the, the urine analysis for or for menstrual cycle information, it, it, it will obviously, depending on, you know, the household and everything like that or any use, it can do that instantaneously on, who you know, whomever's utilizing it. Yeah, it can even tell who's using it. Uh, and it's a replaceable cartridge, so you can actually replace the cartridge after six months. I don't really um, want to be handling this puck, but that's just me. <laughs> Everything else about it. That's what gloves are for. Yeah, well, low vision, you know, just never know where to I was waiting for that to come in. Up. What? <laughs> yeah. How is that going to work? John, uh, fantastic stuff. I, today's a, a real thinking day, I think, for yeah. us here on the program, from gummies <laughs> to pucks to, you know, to televisions. Yeah. So really, really amazing and always great stuff that you brought, especially being able to have, well, I know you probably didn't witness anyone working, doing the lab testing, but the results may be on, on the puck, but uh, sounds like a real great trip down there and looking forward to more stuff that you bring us. Absolutely. 
Um, I really love the the Samsung. How, they're really stepping up their game, I find, especially with accessibility. So it's really encouraging to keep talking Samsung. They're always doing something. And important. naturally stepping it up, John. Yep. Really wonderful. Yeah. All right, John, we'll talk to you next Friday. Sounds great. John Beeler from Get Connected. He joins us on Fridays for the app update. That's what we call it, but we talk a lot of uh, tech and, of course, being recently out of CES, Consumer Electronics Show, we um, have to highlight some of these great new products that are coming out. And we'll actually continue talking about these things next week as well as we um, get into tech convos with Michael Babcock and Stephen Scott's going to join us on the show. So it's not ended yet. Tremendous surprises, that's for sure. A lot of that stuff coming out of there. Really, again, as we're talking about, it's a thinking Friday. Sorry, we know we're used to swinging the gateway open and kind of taking it easy, but... We'll see what Bill Shacklin has for us. You know, sometimes we can get a few laughs out of Billy, especially on a Friday. We'll return to Kelly and Rummy in just a moment. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Rummya on AMI-tv. I want you just to take it easy and settle back wherever you are checking the program out because this is that day to do it. Lots of great conversation. Later on, Ryan Huey will be here with the Chatty Bookshelf, so we'll get into some really cool stuff there to get you set on your reading for the weekend. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. We are the hosts of the program, and we'd like to welcome in from his uh, home in Toronto, Bill Shackleton joining us. We call this segment The Buzz. We have discussions of different items Billy brings to us uh, Wednesday through Friday at this time. Bill, welcome back. How are you today? No thinking required on this segment. You can sit back oh. and... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, just... Also, he, uh, you're not from Toronto. <clears throat> Uh, close no, enough. No, GTA. GTA. Yeah, yeah GTA. Yeah, I'm sorry, that was a bit of a Come misleading. On. I should have said Greater Toronto Area. Now we can move um, on. Let's, um, I teased this one yesterday, which is kind of interesting. How Canadians got their beloved breakfast cereal back, Red River. Isn't that uh, your favorite? You know, um, no, I'm going to just, a little bit about it. We... At the W. Ross McDonald School, we, uh, in my era, we uh, grew up on Red River. It was a staple, and it was the most god-awful cereal I ever, you know, no matter how much I drenched it with brown sugar, I couldn't get the taste. I, I just, I mean, it tasted, it smelled, it was gritty. Um, I didn't, Bill, I just hated the stuff. I don't know how you and did I'll this say with a straight to you, face. I'll say to you what I said the last time you said this when we were at W. Ross at the alumni. And we still Terry have the Gray clip. Was joining us. So we good. do. Uh, I think all of us do. But I will say, gee, I liked it. And Bill was just about gag, folks. Yeah. He just yeah. did not like Red River cereal. <laughs> whereas I struggled with some of the others, like cream of wheat. And I was like, what is this? Oh, that yeah. one, I had to do the big sugar, as you were speaking. Tons of sugar on but that But we got one. more info today, though. You drenched it with yeah. brown sugar. I had no clue about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it just didn't, it. It didn't work. didn't yeah, work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but apparently what happened was it it was discontinued by jam smuckers in 2021 i believe and when you think about red river it conjures up a lot of images uh canadian it's it it follows you around 
like a cold winter in Canada. It kept you warm. People loved it. It was simple. Um, you know, it people took it camping with them. And it was just when it was discontinued, people went just bananas over social on social media because they they missed it. I said, how the heck can you miss that? But apparently, um, it's a staple. It was a, That's why. Yeah, it is. Yes. It, it is. It is simple, made of of wheat, flax, and flour. In 1924, that was really and, healthy. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I guess well, that's why I other hate than it. Billy's uh, ton and that's a half right. of sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, it was brought out by it was bought by Archaeal Flour Mill in Ontario. And they can't get enough of it off. The, it, it, it's coming off the shelves. People can't get even enough now. Of it. Even now, like it, it, oh. they they bought it out last year, um, yeah, or they, I, and they just can't get enough. Why don't we hear about this more? Like the day to day, are people embarrassed of eating Red River? Because no, when you I, ask... I, I I've eaten it up until, and it's funny. I wasn't aware you couldn't that they had stopped making it because I bought it about. Two, three years ago, maybe, uh -huh. maybe, I, maybe a little more than that. I, uh, I've always enjoyed Red Ritter, as I said, and it, that's kind of funny to me because this was news to me that it even disappeared for a while. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, now when you hear about people's favorite cereals and whatever, nobody ever mentions Red River. Because no, everybody I mean, only mentions oatmeal, whether it's your steel cut. Yeah, oats, that's true. Uh, or, yeah. or you know, um, are you what, supposed what to eat morning? this like oatmeal? Like, is it hot? Is it it's hot? A, yeah, oh, yeah, it's hot. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hot. A, Sorry, it, I was imagining like Rice Krispies. My bad. Oh, no, no, no. no. no this is a no. hot thing. A hot thing. It's, it, it, it's porridge. That's funny. What did you hate about it, Bill? The flaxseed? Like, do you know? Because I, I like the, the, the texture. Seed. I like the all texture. Okay. The texture. It do you like regular my, oatmeal? No. Okay, so no. it's, it's a Because of the texture as well, right? Yeah. And the smell. The smell would kill wow. you. I mean, I just didn't, and it got stuck in no, your teeth. Yeah, all to the get rid of that smell, uh, Bill, you had to pour enough milk in to get rid of the smell of ugh. oatmeal, cream of wheat, or Red River What's as far as oatmeal? I'm concerned. Oatmeal doesn't How's smell. smell? I, oh, sure it does. Not a bad smell, just the smell of oatmeal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, I, I prefer the smell of Red River. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gonna well, do a, smells, we're going to do a Ramiel, test, let, let, a comparison well, test. Well, no, but if you're going to do a comparison and you're going to check these smells out, you can't be throwing... We, the reason you can stand oatmeal smells because you throw cinnamon and raisin. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You, but people throw stuff in it. Yeah. And any of these, let's be fair, in all of them, so the natural smell of them, no, it's going to be masked. It's true, it's masked. But the other thing is, like, I only know oatmeal. When I think porridge right. or whatever, this hot cereal stuff, only oatmeal, only oats. So... I'm curious about what this other stuff smells like. Oh, okay. I don't I, feel I'm... Red River has much of a smell, personally, less than oatmeal. It does to Billy, right? Yeah, it has a Just texture to, me. to him, that's for sure. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Let's Bill. So this... it's back. It's back. You can have your awesome. breakfast cereal. This is a really, as I say, no thinking required here. Is someone bugging you? Dedicate a roach. So basically, <laughs> this is really from the Toronto Star. So you know Valentine's Day is around the corner. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know that to some people humbug it. There's there's a lot of people that don't like Valentine's Day. Um, maybe they're heartbroken. Maybe they're someone's bugging them. If somebody is, you can send them a cockroach. Um, so the wildlife cons cons conservancy in um, in Toronto has decided that they've got a campaign where basically what you do is you 
for $25, you register with uh, Canadian Controversy, wildlifecontroversy.ca, and you basically get to a, a cockroach, not a real one. It's a, basically a graphic. But basically what you do is you get a, a certificate with um, with a cockroach and the person's name that that you want to send it to. Mm-hmm. And you get they get an e-card if you want. So you can send your friend a cockroach. So hold up. Friend. Okay. Um or somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> your ex. Wait. Your ex. It's not a real cockroach that they're naming no. this person after. Ah, oh, that's no, a it's bummer. it's a graphic. It's just a graphic. They're not gonna send a cockroach. A no, real not one. a send a cockroach, but I thought there'd be like a real live cockroach. No, the, no. Okay. No. Yeah. But still, I mean, hey, send it to you or whatever. Yeah, I will um, say, because this is on the the heels of talking about this on Now with Dave Brown, I think it was yesterday morning, and the controversial or the conversation got real heavy because of the insinuation of cockroaches in historical context, right? And this is something that Dave Brown pointed up that I thought I'd bring up now because I thought it was really important. Um, you know, there's the fun elements to this, the, the closure, the kind of, hey, you bug me, you know, Poke, right? But uh, also, he was mentioning that historically, cockroaches were used to um, insinuate, you know, enemy territory, or when we're talking like the the Nazis and all of this other stuff. And it does have a bad rep. So I just wanted to point that out because he pointed it out, and it really uh, stuck out to me. Well, well actually, we, we, it is good. Oh, go ahead. It, it has. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it 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 kills, it forages, it kills certain bugs or whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting too the rap we put on certain things, right? Certain animals, yeah. certain bugs. Uh, you know, I've always said that to people who, well, pests, when you hear, right? well, yeah. yeah, but even if you look at at people who are really against people eating venison or what have you, but yet they'll sit there and eat a roast beef. And there's a difference to them. In their mind, you know, well, they think a Bambi. They think it's cute. And the, so how can you sit there and eat venison or hunt it, yeah. but yet we, we eat cattle? So, and people do the same. I'm not saying they eat, well, there's some parts of the world people do eat bugs, of course. Um, but it's what, what we put the label on. It's okay to say, yeah, name a cockroach after somebody you don't care for, <laughs> right. you know, or whatever. But we wouldn't say that, oh, the, name that precious ladybug. It's a lighthearted attempt. I'm. Yeah. I will yeah. definitely give them that. It's a lighthearted yeah, attempt. It's, it's, but it's I wonder how much feedback, good and bad, they've gotten lots, about it. Yeah, lots. They're yeah. getting lots of responses from it. It's, you know, it, it was because of other zoos in the U.S. doing this. So. Yeah. It's yeah, sort of we heard about this a couple of years back, mm-hmm. right? And and doing things like this for fundraising events. And okay, it, it sounds like a nice idea. I think you could just be safe. Na- name a bug after you know after somebody, or name right. you know at certain an animal and and that kind of thing. And maybe we do a draw, and that newborn cub gets called, mm-hmm. you know, Toby or George or whoever. Yeah, it's kind awesome. of. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the times. You know, in the past, there's. There have been fundraising attempts that felt very controversial, like we've had some in the Blind Vision community. I won't name any right now. But just saying, there were some that felt like, ugh, that doesn't sit well with me, you know? But that's because we're part of the community and it did not feel right, whereas other people took to it absolutely. Um, But as we move into, you know, different times, different language, different approaches to things, I do wonder if certain 
if we can't always pass everything. It's like people getting bothered about naming guide dogs after the companies who sponsor them. Right. Well, why would you call a dog that? That's a weird name. Yeah. Well, they, they sponsored the dog. It, it's a makes sense. And just sense, like positive insight you. versus, you know, right. negative. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Bill, we have time to squeeze the last one in. Yeah, we certainly do. I want you guys like a snow plow named after you. I love it because I used to be called the big diesel because I just knock everybody over. <laughs> Amazing. Charge down that hallway, Bill. Clear yeah, them out. That's, well, actually, um, Max Kerman, who is the lead singer of the Arkells, has, you know, he can fill a stadium with his music, but now he's got a snowplow named after him in Hamilton. So basically what they've done was there were, there were 10 snowplows that were going to be named, that were nominated for to be named after certain people. And he got it. They're calling it the Kerminator. I love that. <laughs> that is That's awesome. just fantastic. Wow. Um, and it's, it's really, I mean, his father campaigned for it and he, and he got that. And I just love the idea of, of, of a, a snowplow being named after a person. I don't wonder, I wonder how well it's going to work. Is it engraved into the snowplow? Like, how do we I, know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that. Mm. Um, I That'd just be cool to do with athletes too, wouldn't it, Billy? Yeah. Like if you did that where when they, like a, at a, you know, my former Toronto Maple Leafs or whatever, you name the Zambonis after, you know, uh, across the league and, and crazy stuff like that, that is out there being utilized and, and in that kind of fun way. You know, Nick Nurse, um, the coach of the Raptors, he's played with the Arkells and that kind of thing. And I think he, he'd be on board with something like that if Toronto, uh, in his leaving, whenever that comes to be, named the snowplow after him. You know, I told the team, get out there and plow them over <laughs> just plow through those teams i think that's flattering um would a snow plow be what you'd want to be named after bill or another vehicle no i love the snow plow i mean as i say people hated me because i just ran into them on the ice on the football field and they go down like there's no way they just go down you didn't create so that nickname for yourself diesel. right no, no, I was create. I, somebody called, said, the, you're like a big diesel, and I was called the big diesel. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's awesome. Rum, what would you want named after you? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It'd have to be something. Red River. Small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rum, yeah, Red River cereal, right? It'd have to right? be something small, like, you know, nothing as big and luxurious as you guys. I don't know. Not a fire truck? No. Too big? No, too big. Mm. Yeah, huh. not not we'll one of the ferries on. out there at uh, oh, the across to Center oh, Island. That's cute. Maybe we'll right. get a ferry Something named after me. How about you, guys? Right, Diesel, thanks a lot, pal. Well, I appreciate you being thanks with us. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with a plow. I think that more suits me. All for right. sure. I'll think on that one. I'm not sure. Bill joins us uh, for the buzz Wednesday through Friday right here on the program. In the next hour, there have been some new partnerships formed in the audiobooks world. We get the latest with Ryan Huey on the Chatty Bookshelf. And let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments in the past week on Cut for Time when Grant rejoins us. But up next, Susan Kearney, our gardener, joins us next to talk about the lovely cranberry. We'll do that after this break and we'll begin hour number two. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.